Hello, and welcome once again to the Oklahoma Atheist Godcast, the digital audio stream in which the members of the Oklahoma Atheists are casting gods out, broadcasting our doubt, and casting about for answers to difficult questions. Today on the show, we're going through the Bible in the King James Version, which is um, admittedly a somewhat difficult read, and we're not going to be too terribly scholarly about it. Like the first beneficiaries of the English translation, we're attempting to get a sense of what it's like to read this on its face without the benefit of having clergy. Yeah, it's confusing. So, enjoy. Without CJ here, I've committed a bit of a faux pas. Without CJ here, I launched right into this whole Bible study bullshit. I was just getting to that, yeah. Uh, I forgot to ask the key question. What are you drinking? All right. I'm drinking a Pabst, and I have <laughs> a Scottish Bellhaven uh, in queue. Okay. <laughs> so, well, that, wow. That almost, I'm uh, set up. That, okay. Got a PBR with a, a real full-on Scottish beer waiting for you. Yeah. All right. All right. I am also drinking a Scottish beer. I'm drinking a Murphy's Draught-style stout. Which is actually, I believe, a an Irish style beer, uh, the the Murphy Stout, but it was brewed and canned by Scottish in Newcastle in Edinburgh. So, imitator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'm drinking a, a full pint of Murphy Stout. Uh, right. Shelley. Okay, I'm snowed in again, and I didn't get out to the <laughs> store. So, <laughs> it's milk again, isn't it? It's milk. It's water. <laughs> it's even worse. It's water. Very basic. Yeah, you're not even gonna get a lactose high. <laughs> no, <laughs> a lactose high. <laughs> Haven't you ever breastfed a baby, Paul? Yeah, all the time. Okay, well, you know what that's like then. <laughs> um. Well, I decided that to get through the book of Leviticus, that I needed something a little heavier, so I'm drinking scotch. Right. Good choice. We got kind of a scotch <laughs> theme going on tonight. Is it a Scottish <laughs> scotch? Apparently. <laughs> well, they have water. They do have water there, yeah. In Scotland? Yeah. <laughs> Quite a bit. It falls <laughs> yes. from the skies. Yeah. They use it to make whiskey. They I do. didn't think they actually drank it. There, see, I'm drinking, like, proto-whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> it's not whiskey yet, but it could be. That's such an optimistic way of looking at it. Uh, Matt, what are you drinking? Matt? No, no. Uh, oh, could we I would like to say that I wish Matt were here. He disappeared from my screen long ago. Yeah, I got nothing. I got no picture. I only got. I only have your like emo picture. Yeah, I, I didn't see his either. So back to the Book of Leviticus. So this one, this was a slog for me. I don't know about you guys. This the Book of Leviticus. It's definitely, it took some willpower. It would have been better yeah. with color photos. You could see like animals being slaughtered and stuff. Yeah. Or, or like a video, help. like an instructional video, like this is how you splash yeah. the blood, because then it would have been gory, and I'd be like... Okay. And then you could follow along and try in your own goat. Hmm. <laughs> That's true. We could reenact it at home, it would yeah. be fun. That gives us a good idea for the uh, AOK YouTube channel, something we might want to try out sometime. <laughs> See what we learned in the Bible? <laughs> this is how you splash the blood on the altar. <laughs> They were not squeamish about blood. Very, they're okay with that. You can't drink it, of course, but right. you can play around with it. Yeah. yeah. Fin- finish the sentence. The ancient Hebrews were not squeamish about <laughs> killing lots of people, <laughs> animals, you name it. Well, they're not too. They're not too fond of uh, bodily excretions. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like menses, they're they're kind of freaked out about that. Yeah. A lot there's of discharges. That... Yeah, there's a lot of discharges going on. <laughs> <laughs> Got to manage those carefully. Indeed. I kind of wish I'd just skipped past the first part of the of, of the of everything, just gone straight to chapter 15 or so. You didn't like all the uh, the offerings? No, <laughs> no, and I even skipped paragraphs when I when I. Okay, they're going to do this over again. All right, I'll skip this. And then like, uh, oh, okay, here we go again. Okay, I'll skip this. But I still, I, I was falling asleep and... That's rough, dude. That's rough. She just got to the good parts. I found a really good audio Bible. It's a really nice kind of Charlton Heston voice reads it to you. <laughs> so, it's, it's that would totally put this. That's fine, people. <laughs> I, got, I got the sense 
Well, I, I got the sense that most of these offerings, not all of them, but the offerings seem to me like basically a scheme to keep the Levites fed. Yeah. Because, hmm. I mean, w- w- in some Can't cases, sometimes they burn up the whole offering, but, but with a lot of these offerings, basically, you, you bring your bread with your olive oil and you give it to the priests and they mm-hmm. eat it. <laughs> you know, sometimes, yeah, they, sometimes you all eat it but- together. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think, though, another important point there is that that in the peace offerings, especially, everybody ate it together. So it wasn't, but yeah, it definitely kept the priests fed. Was there <laughs> ever an offering in which the priests don't eat? Like, I mean, the other people eat, but the priests don't eat? Uh, no, I think there's offerings that nobody ate, but I yes. don't think that there were any... Was there one? The, no, 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 you're right. There, no. There's okay. only one yeah. where they no one ate anything. Yeah. The one that's right, completely right. burnt up. The one that's and, yeah. totally yeah. burnt up. Yeah, because gods eat the smoke. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is an aroma pleasing unto the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few phrases that you just see recurring over and over. Uh, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Like, yeah. like I've heard of, like, God's hand reached out to me, but, but in this book, God's nose plays a major role. <laughs> <laughs> his metaphorical nose. That is very true. He he definitely is uh, all about the burning aroma of of meat. Although I would venture to say that, just I don't know. I guess they did do some preparation. So if they throw in, throw in a fresh goat up on an altar and burning it for some reason doesn't seem like it would smell that appealing to me. But you know, no. <laughs> No, it sounds nasty, actually. In fact, yeah. I put that on the outside of the city so you wouldn't be around it all the time. Right. <laughs> That's some terrible neighbors. So, okay, so we get all through these offerings. Um, does, does anyone have any comments, anything that struck them about these offerings? I mean, we went through the grain offering, the fellowship offering, the sin offering, uh, the guilt offering, the burnt offering, the grain offering. <laughs> what do the poor people do? They don't have spare goats, you know, they, they get... Turtle doves, I guess. Yeah, they have, yeah. To, they have to catch catch some birds somehow. Two two birds in the hand is worth feeding a priest. How easy was that? You know, just catch a bird. <laughs> Can't use fish. Yeah. Really, I didn't. I did not no, know that. I didn't no say fish. anything about fish in here. Yeah, there. Um, I was reading a. An, I have an academic study Bible, and well, that's not fair. <laughs> oh, but dude, I can't do this without it. <laughs> They said something, and I can't find it now, but they said something about how fish didn't count because they, I guess the sense is that with fish, you're not actually sacrificing anything. You're not giving anything up because uh, you fish are, were not, would not have been part of their property. I bet they were too plentiful, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I... Goat, you know, you can, you can milk it. Very useful to you for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul uh, and I are aware of a, a men's Bible study where they were going through this, and I, I thought it was mostly uh, useless propaganda. But some of it was was actually well, the guy that the guy that did the study was you know, uh, and and his dissertation was in on Leviticus, so he, he did some in depth oh. study, and he he talks about how these offerings go from being the most valuable to the least valuable. Like you'll start off with the bull, and and kind mm-hmm. of work your way down from there. So it is about bringing the most valuable thing you can find to the priests. Um, which which strikes me as you know a lot like what you see on the televangelist channel. Like give us give us your most sacrifice as much as you can until it hurts. Yeah, well, I mean, what I mostly see in Leviticus, I guess, is Israel as the Holy Land taking shape. Like a lot of talk about the land itself and how just being part of it is part of being holy, and so. You have this kind of physical space element, and you have the priesthood being, you know, it's it's starting to come together. What that that you have a priest as an intermediary between you and Yahweh, where so you're not talking, to, you're not dealing directly with Yahweh most of the time. You have somebody in between who is performing certain rituals for you, and those guys have, you know, extra rules. Yeah, that you don't have. No, to be to be precise, they don't actually get to Israel in this book. The, the, well, they're, they're still en they're, route, as it were. I mean, right? It was it was written by people who were living in Israel, and probably correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but they were actually had the temple set up, and so a lot a lot of the the stuff that you see in here is actually justifying the temple ordinances. 
even though it's yes. written in the context of this fictional tabernacle, which is this portable temple that went around from place to place. Hmm. I, I would definitely agree. A lot of the yeah. stuff that I've read had to do with just the, the, the specificity of all of the dimensions and everything, that it was something written after, perhaps even after they'd completely settled, settled in everything as an uh, explanatory document about, this is why we do it this way, or yeah. just because there was so yeah. much detail in the construction of the tabernacle and things like that. And all, all I know is that that temple and those robes had to be pretty damn bloody. That, that's what I know. Right. It, it had to be a mess inside of that tabernacle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing they had a really, really expensive dry cleaner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm that like... leads to problems. I mean, who could clean out the temple if nobody could go into the holy holiness of holies? I mean... I guess the high priest could do it. So, maybe the high priest did have a shitty job. <laughs> that seems like a reasonable assumption. No, it's cracked up to be. Yeah, yeah. Hip deep in dead animals all day. Yeah. True that. Yeah, but you're the fattest people around. Yeah, you know, there's just... Uh, one thing I noticed, and perhaps this is something that everyone else has already, uh, you know, sort of recognized, <laughs> but there's not a lot of positive reinforcement. It's mostly just whippings for bad behavior. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like, really? Does this work? Well, yeah, it it does work. I mean, think about the women who stay with abusive husbands and what they're like. Every time they get beaten, they blame themselves and try all the more to please this man. And that's basically uh, the perfect metaphor for Israel and Yahweh. Yahweh's the abusive husband. And Israel's just like, oh, I'm sorry, honey, it was my fault. Oh, Oh, I'll try harder. Yeah. Israel also has a hick accent, in case you were wondering. <laughs> that does seem to be the teachings. <laughs> that it's your fault when things go wrong. It's always your fault. All right. So continuing, anything else on the offerings? I thought it was interesting they had horns in there. It's very animalistic. Um, I just thought it was kind of interesting. It just kind of it just screamed um, pantheism to me. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of references to paganism here. Which, yeah. which part with the, with the horns? With the horns dripping the blood on the horn is like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, and, and the toes. What was the whole... The you toe, know, yeah. Like his big toe and his <laughs> left hand or something like that. Yeah, that, that would make good video. That'd be fun to watch. <laughs> well, it wouldn't. <laughs> I like animals. No, I'm not talking... I'm not talking about the slaughtering of the animals. I'm talking about like where they where they <laughs> anoint the men with blood. It, it just it has that um, brave heart feel to it. Yeah, I suppose. Well, the whole blood thing, you know, that's life, right? So that's a metaphor for life, and so you that's supposed to counter the impurity which is associated with death. Yeah, it is. Im- I was going to say it's important to note, or I'm not sure. Uh, it's not made really clear, but the aforementioned Bible study that Damien and I had been listening to, he made a very clear distinction uh, about the whole pure and impure, clean versus unclean, that they are uh, ritual states and not actual, like, like state states. So just because something They're, was unclean... It doesn't mean it's ahead. sinful. Yeah, it's... Right, it's right. It about... doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You can well, be ritually unclean because you did something that God commanded you to do, like... Right. Going forth and multiplying, right, right, oh, right. So it's not to be mistaken for the whole sinful, not sinful, or you know, good with God, not good with God. Well, having a baby, or yeah, ha- um, having a baby, having a menstrual cycle, having a menstrual having cycle, having sex, right. these all make you ritually unclean. Yeah, but, but you didn't all do good. anything. Yeah, yeah. You well, know, you did something. <laughs> well, in the sex part, I guess you did. God, I hope so. It's naughty, but we'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was reading a, a book called Shall the Religious Inherit the Earth which is very depressing about how basically yes they will because they keep their women at home and pregnant and secular liberals don't quiverful yeah yeah. not, just, women are not just quiverful but like every movement like that the um, the Catholics where they actually listen to Humanae Vitae uh, some, some Catholics really take that seriously um, the uh, ultra-Orthodox in Israel uh, hell the um what are those guys uh, that walk around with the funny hats in the 19th century everything? Amish. Yeah. <laughs> Massive reproductive rate among those guys. Uh, anyway. Yeah, they're, still, yeah, they're yeah. still around. Yeah, well, it's they're just, in ever greater numbers. 
disturbing. <laughs> if if you're following the the laws set forth in here, it says like the way that it lays out the cleanliness or when you're supposed to lay with the woman or whatever is like right in that sweet it, spot. It's very, yeah. Exactly, it, it sets it right in that sweet spot. Right? <laughs> I didn't think women wanted to have sex at any other time anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, well, we do get the every sperm is sacred thing in this chapter. That's in there. Well, it's not stated like that. <laughs> oh, uh, something else I wanted to ask you guys. What um, I said, uh, you know, themes, uh, major issues or questions. Also, if there's anything in here that you thought was good, anything at all that you thought was timeless and moral and should be practiced or preached, l- let me know. Because I think that's definitely, uh, I think there's a few verses in this book that just stick out like diamonds among dung, which are in- interesting in and of themselves just because of that. Quarantining people who may have contagious yeah. diseases. I'm not sure it's timeless, but that's what I was going to say too. I can go with it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Qu- quarantining people with I, contagious diseases. Practical. Yeah, I, yeah. I suppose so. The part where they were talking about uh, sowing the land and not reaping all of it, like leaving some for the wanderers and the, the fatherless the and the widow, and yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I thought that was pretty. That was pretty nice. That was Being nice to aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, be friendly to the aliens. Because yeah. they have better technology than you. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Which is literally true for these people as well. I was thinking of, I might be skipping ahead here, but chapter 19, verses 17 and 18. Please open your Bibles. All right. To chapter 19, verses You're not going to make a sing, are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> you really don't want that on this end. I don't know about you guys, but... I'm going to have to down another couple pints before I even think about singing. Yeah. we got some really good stuff in here. Do you, do you guys see it? 19? Chapter 19, verses 17 and 18. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor, and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Yeah, it's nice. And so like, that's that's some pretty good stuff. I, I, I think that they're drawing the circle of moral concern very tightly, like just basically your own tribe, yeah. like those people right around you. But it's a great moral sentiment. Uh, and then it launches right into this weird stuff about don't wear m- mixed fibers you know, yeah. in, the, in the very next verse. Like, yeah, no linen and wool in the same, you know, which I, I think I'm wearing right now. So They're very finicky. Yeah, it... <sighs> So, so Leviticus has occasionally it has a, uh, this this bright spot, but then it has these other rules which I guess only make sense in the Iron Age. Even Christians don't try to get us to to care about this whole mingled seed and uh, mingled garments, mixed fibers, <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, supposedly that's because they want everything separated because God separated everything when He created them. Kind of like that. they're two different species, be kind of like a a man lying with a monkey. Yeah, yeah, I'm against <laughs> that generally, <laughs> only because we haven't found a way for a monkey to unequivocally consent. Yeah, that's true. Well, that comes up in Leviticus too, right? No, doing it with the sheep's. Yeah. Now, but if the sheep started it, then you know I'm okay with it. Anyway, <laughs> it's just as I mean, long as it's mutual. You can tell when the sheep's coming on to you. You know what I'm saying? It's sort of rubbing up against you and stuff. They are koi species. Yeah. Usually. Usually. I mean, you can you can tell. Anyway. Um. I'm kind of shocked in verse 20 that he lieth carnally with a woman, and uh, she was betrothed, so they don't die. And all he has to do is offer up an offering to the Lord? Well, she's scourged, though. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. She's scourged. All yeah. right. Okay. But but she was a bondmaid, though. So she was, you know, not free to make her own decisions in this. Right. Yeah, That's the, cool. The whole sexual yeah. slavery thing is a running theme. We've seen we've seen a bit of that by now. And so I I have a lot of trouble when our modern politicians talk about biblical family values. It's like, have you read this book? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty vile. Biblical family values are, yeah. Vile is the word. And this is how we treat our sex slaves. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, well, but there it is. You skipped it. Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. That is detestable. They love that one. Well, that's just the, but that's just the point, though. There's all these irrelevant laws that Christians don't care about at all mm-hmm. in, this, in this book. It's, it's, and then they pull that verse out and they say, but this one really, really matters. Yeah. You know, it's swimming in a, give in a, a sea of irrelevancy, but, but damn it, this one really matters because, ew, gay. <laughs> I think that's their logic. It's, you know, it goes as far as ew. That's the it's whole, icky. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the whole yeah. argument. And they don't, they don't bother, I think, to read any of the rest of the book and be like, wow, this is totally meant for a Bronze Age people, not for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and right after that, that whole, I mean, I found that actually 24 really interesting because I, 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 li- I do like all the talk about the land and making the land almost into this living character. Like the land actually vomits out its inhabitants. Ah, as, okay. As if the land itself, you know, has a sort of natural uh, purging of things that that are considered def- to de- be defiling it. That's I really a, loved that image. In uh, chapter 18, verse 25, when the land is defiled, it will uh-huh. vomit, vomiteth out her inhabitants. Yeah, uh, I like that image. I, this is part of why I love the King James, is just this language. Yeah, and it makes me take about twice as long to read it, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah I, I like a challenge. So where are we at? We're at, like, in, in 19, we go through a bunch of commandments again. Actually, this whole book is, like, one big commandment. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's the whole sacrifice manual thing, which is, you know, very relevant now. Let's put that in the uh, then, courthouse. Right. Let's hang that up. I, I, <laughs> Le- Leviticus 20 has a bunch of interesting things that can go in that. <laughs> well, Leviticus 20 is, yeah, there's, I definitely want to talk about some of the, some of the stuff in, in chapter 20. Um, you, you go, you go first, Paul. I want the last verse of chapter 20, but you, you, you want the last, oh, I, I, just looking at my notes that I, I sub, uh, Leviticus 20 is everyone dies. Don't curse your mom and dad or you're going to die. Or adultery <laughs> is death and incest is death. The- yeah. No boxes are unchecked and no throats are left unslit. Exactly. <laughs> I, I so, yeah, love the uh, part where they kill the... Like, when somebody commits bestiality, they kill the beast, too. Yeah, you know? kill yeah, the animal, yeah. too. That's very important. <laughs> because now it has acquired the taste of human flesh. <laughs> because it'll, they... It'll never uh, be satisfied with beast-on-beast beast action again. Now, five minutes ago, you were saying the sheep asked for it. <laughs> well, the sheep did ask for it. it doesn't, so why should the sheep get away with it? You're right, Shelly. The sheep had it coming. <laughs> Those vile, vile, fluffy animals. That's right. You know what? I always like the uh, the phrase, I will set my face against that man. See? That's, that's When they're stuff. angry, I will set my stuff. face against them. Yeah. And against his family, too. Not his butt, like before. But no, no. That would be very, he'd be like, oh, yeah, here you go. Here's my butt. You did such a good job. <laughs> the offering smelled great. The divine mooning was, uh, that was that was one of my favorite parts of the Exodus episodes. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Also, go a whoring. That's great too. Where's that? Yeah, uh, five twenty, verse five. Go a whoring after him to commit whoredom with Moloch. Can we talk about slut shaming for a second? Sure. Let's do that. Um, you um, shame women for being sexually active and contextualize that as. Going a whoring, right? Yeah. So people people treat women who act like men are want to like they're really bad people. Well, we're not supposed to. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand. Well, according to this, no. you are supposed to. You are definitely supposed to shame sluts. It's like an ongoing theme. Like whoredom is like this major theme in this book and, and the book before it. Uh, they talk about you know if you commit whoredom, that's you know that's a big uh, crime, and and they use whoredom as this metaphor for idolatry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the Bible. And it's been obsessed with sex so far, as you can see in this chapter. There's loads of sex yeah. in this book. And even when they're talking about idolatry, they drag in a sexual metaphor out of nowhere. Yeah. Even when it's not at all necessary. They could just say, worshipping the wrong god. Instead, they've got to drag in whoredom. Mm-hmm. This, this book is incredibly sexually charged. And and I'd like to say one thing about this chapter with all this crazy bestiality and incest and all this stuff going on. Un- uncovering his father's wife's nakedness and all that. Mm-hmm. Yes, Nobody yeah. writes a law 
nobody writes a law for something that's something that hasn't happened. Nobody just thinks up scenarios and writes yeah. laws. That's right. You write laws because somebody's doing it and you don't like it. Yeah. So yeah. every one of these things was happening back then. <laughs> exactly. I just have to say that. Wow. Yeah. That worries me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. You can't. I mean, we wouldn't have to take our shoes off at the airport if somebody hadn't tried to smuggle a bomb in his shoes. Right. Exactly. Right? I mean, it's... Exactly. So every one of these wacky laws about incest and uncovering your father's wife's nakedness and all that, this is all did, happening. Did you, did you notice that your father's wife is by is punishable by death, but your sister was just that you were cut off? No more of that. But it's not clear whether cut off from among your people is a euphemism for death penalty or whether it's a euphemism for exile. That's true. Yeah. I, we've talked about that before, I think, on The, the King and I, as to what that means. Right. Well, there's the 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 father's uncovering your father's wife is uncovering your father's nakedness because it's a nakedness that belongs to him, right? Yes, yes, he owns her nakedness. Uh-huh. Right. Which so I, there's also sort of a, a usurpation and a kind of a theft almost. That's yeah. well, I can I just go on record as saying that I don't have a problem with the prohibition against incest. <laughs> I think it's okay for the most, but you're right that that it's. But the death penalty is a bit much, don't you think? But the death penalty is a bit much. A bit much. And and they are super anxious about it, and which you're right makes it seem like it was some sort of rampant problem, just kind of creepy. I actually know of a story in which a guy dated both a woman and her mother, and while I think that's creepy, I wouldn't call it wickedness, and I wouldn't burn anyone to death. That no. seems. A no, bit you go on much. Jerry Springer. Yeah. Yeah, There's exactly. A place for that, yeah. Embarrassing TV shows, good. Burning with fire, a bit much. Mm-hmm. It's a bit much. That's verse fourteen of chapter twenty. Uh, it, it, yeah, like like Paul said, everyone dies. That's just basically God's go-to solution for this sort of thing. Maybe the idea is once you get to heaven, he can really administer exactly the right level of justice. Are we doing heaven yet? There, there, no, no, I'm no kidding. I'm yet. kidding. There's no heaven. <laughs> Oh, I was like, just wait, where I, I missed that. Delete all that. Forget I said anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. the, the app. Go ahead. You guys got anything else on, the, on chapter 20? Because I want to talk about the last verse. Go for it. Okay, this is, this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Leviticus 20, 27. A man also, or woman, that hath a familiar spirit, or that is a wizard... <laughs> Shall surely be put, <laughs> surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them, as opposed to stoning them with eggs, or... <laughs> which is so slow. It takes forever to kill people with eggs. Very even wasteful. Ostr- even ostrich eggs. It's it's really time consuming. Um, even but... hard boiled, you're not getting yeah. anywhere very very fast. So, so earlier on in the book, we saw that thou shalt not uh, thou shalt not uh, suffer a witch to live, right? Uh, right. Which, which was uh, I don't I don't remember where, but it, it's somewhere in I think Exodus. Um, but we already saw that. So now we know that it's not just witches; it's witches and wizards. So <laughs> uh, the Hogwarts, look out! You shall all be stoned with stones. No wait, it says a a woman that hath a familiar spirit, and the definition is a medium. So is that someone who's communicating with the dead? It's a witch, a sorceress, uh, somebody that talks to the dead, somebody that does spells. Uh, but but the point is, these people, the sixteen eleven King James Version, these people believed in witches and wizards. They were living in the seventeenth century. They they believe this shit, right? Sure. Yeah. And uh, and they went on actual witch hunts. And they had God on their side. You know, as they were uh, reading their Malleus Maleficarum and doing all these terrible, terrible, torturous things to mostly uh, you know, poor old women, mm-hmm. uh, they had Leviticus on their side justifying their actions. And uh, I, I, ugh. It's, I, I shudder to think that anyone can get this far in the book and be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, God wrote this. <laughs> The wisest person in the Good universe idea. wrote this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No doubt at all. So I, I just had to. I just had to pause at, at the end of chapter twenty just to register, like like my absolute horror that people could read this today in the twenty first century, and be like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. 
This is well, but they do. I mean, we're not throwing stones anymore, but they'll burn the books. Right. They want them out of the library. Yeah. 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 Okay. I was say, there, there's still definitely some some witch and wizard hunting going on. It's just adapted to our societal constraints, I guess. It's no longer socially acceptable to burn them at the stake, so we just try and destroy their careers. Right. Whose careers? Like. Like Chris, Christy well, McDonnell? I mean, she's the last person that was actually accused of witchcraft <laughs> and had a career bump about it. No, like, but, I mean, there was a big attack on Harry Potter. I mean, it wasn't successful because Harry Potter's awesome and those people are stupid. Right. But they... <laughs> it didn't stop J.K. Rowling from becoming several times richer than the Queen. Yes, and right. you know what? I don't begrudge her a penny. No, it's so either. much pleasure from those books. <laughs> I'm totally with you on this. <laughs> But I mean, there were you know they she she was attacked not physically but you know yeah they're still around they're just not as powerful because they can't kill you uh, <laughs> what well I mean before they could stone you right now or hang institutionally you or, right yeah exactly now they they don't have that power anymore so they're just kind of wingers uh, okay but um, okay. The, the people, they whine when the library books stock up the J.K. Rowling. They do whine. But do you think that they really believe in in this stuff, that like witch, witchcraft and wizardry is real, that people can cast spells and have familiar spirits? Or, I mean, they I don't know. Must. Otherwise, I, why would they care? Yeah, at the church that I grew up in, most definitely they believe that there is such a thing as like witches and wizards. And they had whole Bible studies dedicated to teaching you about people who cast spells and stuff like that. Wow. I mean, there's definitely people out there who believe in that today. I, I am deeply disturbed. <laughs> uh, well, they believe in ghosts and people who can see them, so why not? Right. I mean, it's, and, not, it's not terribly... What, it, and for me, gods. It yeah, right. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> Fine. I was going to say, it'd be easier for me to believe in, in a familiar spirit or something, I think, than it would be for me to believe in a big guy with a beard up in the sky who <laughs> gives a shit who I sleep with. I mean, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would like to point out, just like completely off the topic here, that there are a lot of monogamous couples in our atheist group. And there's, uh, you know, I'm in one. I know Chaz is in one. Uh, Shelly, I assume you're in one, but I, I don't. Indeed. Okay, yes. so that's three for three. Uh, Paul, I'm pretty sure you guys are swingers, right? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're, Damn we're, it! We're monogamous. Thanks. Damn it! Okay, so so the, the I'm just making the the side note that family values happen. They just happen. You don't really need some book making really nasty death threats to make family values happen. <laughs> they're, they're naturally emergent property of human desires. As it yeah. turns out, it's very practical to be monogamous. It is Indeed. practical, yeah. That way you know who your kids are and what yes. that drip is about. That drip is you know. It's, you don't go broke on Valentine's Day. Yeah, back to the Bible. Um, this old thing. Okay, so we're past chapter twenty. Paul, help us out here. What? To, I, I'm like I'm out of notes now. I, I've oh, run okay. out of notes. In Leviticus. Uh, after twenty, uh, twenty one is basically rules for like priesthood and stuff like that. Or the beginning of it is where you get you know your no shaving and and stuff like that. And then it goes on and mentions the. Uh, to go a whoring again, we we are now allowed to burn the daughters of priests who go a whoring. I believe that's in verse nine. Right, that goes way beyond ordinary slut shaming, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, burn them to death. Oh, and there's right, like if you didn't if you didn't get the part about stoning witches and wizards, if you still think this is a divine book, nine verses later, burn women to death because they had sex. Yeah, right. Okay, mm-hmm. holy book, holy book. If you'd like to tell me this is a holy book, you can reach me at podcast at oklahomaatheist.com. I would love <laughs> to hear your idiotic opinions. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting about 21 was the, uh, in 14, I think it was, where they were talking about that only the priests, or the priests may only take virgins as their wives, mm-hmm. which which yeah. I think was probably written in by the the priests. <laughs> yeah, I think you remember Shelley in the Exodus thing saying that. How do you know that you're you got your paternity thing down? You uh, you take a young virgin and knock her up as often as you can, mm-hmm. right? Until like, she dies. Yeah, until she dies in childbirth eventually. Mm-hmm. 
So that's um, one way. That's depressing. One way to perpetuate the priesthood. Not only are you have you arranged earlier in this book to get fed well, but now yeah, you get the, you exactly. get your pick of the litter too. Are we going to talk about the fact that all of, that we have priests who are encouraged to marry and have children? Where? And that well, I mean, at least they can marry virgins and have children, right? Right. To this day, that's that's Jewish tradition, and um, in fact, that's that's the tradition in almost all of Christendom as well, in Eastern Orthodoxy mm-hmm. and in Protestantism. Well, there's only one church that believes in celibacy of the priesthood in Christendom. And I think that's because they wanted to take their money instead of letting them bequeath it to their heirs. Isn't that right? I don't know. That's as good an explanation as I... I mean, the official explanation is that it allows them to dedicate themselves more fully to the Lord. Right. I thought it had to do with something uh, that Paul wrote about... I, I don't know that much about Catholicism, but I really thought it had something to do with that Paul wrote about like what Damien was saying about betrothing yourself entirely to the Lord and not loving anything else. Yeah, that's the, that's the, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not exactly inclined to believe what the Vatican says about, you know, mm-hmm. any, anything. Well, I think this, I think this kind of priest has at least more of a chance of being, Abby. I mean, we, yeah, <laughs> happy and well adjusted, like normal, right? Yeah. More relatable. Okay. To, yeah. You know, to his folk, right, right. Because he's got a family too, right, right. And hmm, yeah i I thought it was weird that that you could go in to get counseling from a person that's never been married. Mm-hmm. But, like they, they call it pre cana. Anyone here former Catholic? No, not I. Okay, no. Anyway, look up pre cana sometimes. Where a bunch of celibate people tell you how to get married and have it work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True story. Uh, for real this time. Uh, the, uh, did, did you see the uh, the uh, Hebrews with Disabilities Act here in uh, verses yes, 17? In, eight, in 18, 17 and 18? Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> he, he that hath a flat nose, you gotta... Or any blemish. Any blemish at all. Oh, yeah, any blemish. Yeah. Broken-footed, broken-handed, crook-backed. Love that word. Crook-backed. Yeah. Yeah. Baby got crookbacked. Or dwarf. <laughs> yeah, you get sorry. To... I, sorry, I laughed there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the the point is, uh, God hates cripples. I think that's that's basically where we're going with this. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure that he hates them. They just can't go into the temple. Okay. Uh... They're just not normal. Right. Okay. So so what we've established in this book is the way you get right with God is by Going to the temple to sacrifice, to offer your sacrifice. Uh, and, and here we get up into this chapter, and oh, not if you're crippled. Right. Uh, right. That's kind of harsh, man. God uh, <laughs> God strikes them twice. Yeah, right. He hits he hits them up with the handicap, and this oh, oh yeah, that's you're also, ugly. You yeah, yeah, and now you can't sacrifice either. And they're probably and like, that's d- fine, I'll eat my own sheep. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't want to pay for the ramp and all that stuff. Right, that's, what, that's exactly that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. They just don't want to deal with having to comply with the Disabilities Act. That's right. It's a freaking tabernacle. It's a tent. Imagine trying to install a ramp on that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Paul, Paul, does it seem to you like God hates vegans? Do you get the sense? I would definitely, yeah. Well, God hates animals. Not sure that he hates vegans. But he wants everyone to eat the, the meat. I guess, That's true. To participate true, yeah. in the... Meat, meat is very important. So, yeah. You can't be a vegan and an ancient Israelite, I don't think. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it sounds very difficult to do, yeah. yeah. So we, we have a podcast series with the Atheism Plus series, and the idea there is to, to do isms, to cover isms that are available to you once you've gotten rid of your gods. Yes, So, like, right. once once you have no gods, you can be a secular humanist. Or you can be an objectivist. Those are two very different moral stances, but you can't really do either of them until you've gotten rid of your superstition. And I'm not going to say which one, you know, is better, but um, but they're both out there. And there's Unitarianism, which you can do as an atheist, but you don't have to be an atheist. But I, I would just point out that given the nature of the, the the Jewish ritual cult, it seems to me that veganism only becomes ethically available as an option, as an ism you can follow, once you get past this. You have to put this behind you, the notion that the creator of the universe sees this as the proper order of things. Yes, you cannot be an, an orthodox... You cannot be an 
Orthodox Judaism and also be a vegan, I don't think. <laughs> or really a vegetarian. Yeah, like, exactly. That's kind of kind of where I'm going with it. So vegetarianism becomes, uh, I mean, ethical vegetarianism, not just, you know, right. colon can't handle meat vegetarianism, but right. Um, it only okay, becomes but, available once you get past this mythology. I have another dumb question. Oh, please. So how do people reconcile all of this blood, all of this meat, with that weird thing that they sometimes say about how in the garden there was that all of the animals were vegetarians and nobody had to get eaten? That's because we screwed up. So this is still about that? Yeah. Well, because before then, he says back in Genesis, like, whenever the whole fall happens, like, okay, now you're going to have to eat this meat, and now you're going to have to do all this stuff. And then I think this is a further implication of that. that and also you're going to have to... Uh, you know, reconcile for your sins, and, and this is how you're going to do it. I, oh, God, this just feels like piling on. Like, I don't know. So it's just, yeah, just another thing that's our fault, not his fault. He's like, I hate to do it, but you're going to have to kill all your animals. <laughs> right. right, right. Like, yeah, I, it, was, I, it was all going to be perfect, except that you ate from the tree but, yeah. you know, that I put there with the salesman to tell you but, to eat from the tree. What can I do? Yeah, they eat it hurts me more than it hurts you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> about about the eating of all the animals, uh, it seems to me with the rate of sacrifice that's going on here, it's that they're going through some freaking animals. I don't even know how. <laughs> I don't even know how they have any. I mean, or how they maintain herds. Like, can they breed this fast? Right. If you're talking about, you know, say there was a group of fifteen hundred people. Which, I mean, well, I don't know how much we can trust biblical numbers, but it said when he came down uh, from Mount Sinai that he killed 3,000, I think it was. So, I mean, if you're talking about a sizable group of people and they all have these herds, um, they are going through some animals. <laughs> like, right, this has right. got to be a huge, massive, I don't even know how they're supporting this. Like, Maybe it's anyway. a way of killing the herd. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, you can't call the herd because you only have to bring the best sacrifices. You mm -hmm. can't, okay, you can't bring the, the, oh. the weak, lame ones. But here's my theory, Paul. The, the preachers at my church, they say everyone should give 10%. Okay. Only a small fraction of the congregation really does that. Oh. So you think some of these people are cheating their, on their taxes? On their sacrifice I think, taxes? I think everyone's cheating on their sins. No, no sins. Sorry, no sins today. Yeah, oh, no, no. I've been totally holy and blameless. Yeah, Aaron, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if they had a subset of the IRS that kept track of when women were menstruating. They were like, oh, no, we, we definitely know you did your wife. And yeah. you're totally going to have to have to reconcile for that. That's two bullocks, please. Right, right. There's only a week in here you can have sex. And you're going to tell me you're not? Like, really? Come on. Yeah, well, they're all intense. You can tell when they're having sex. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> I'm not saying everyone's a screamer like my neighbor that I live next door to in Albuquerque, but <laughs> some yeah, people are. Just put a really, really unpleasant <laughs> image in my head. God, in God, I hope she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point from Christianity's standpoint of the whole sacrificing, or at least what they put forth in that seminary school uh, series of lectures that I listened to for some strange reason. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's good. The point, the point of the sacrifices, as per uh, these lectures, was that God that they came out of Egypt, and God decided that He wanted to dwell amongst them, and in order, order to do that, like they had to do certain things. Uh, so that I don't, I'm not really sure why, but that was the reasoning that was given. Like, okay, God's going to come down and kick it in this tent with us, uh, so we're going to have to do all this stuff. So. You know, so he he stays around in the tent. Uh, there, there's a lot of whys that can be thrown in there somewhere. So he came yeah. down and he looked around and he's he's like, oh, these people with their crookbacks and their leaping sores and their discharges. We got to keep them away. You no, know, I I think it was the idea that God is like perfect and good and the embodiment of everything that is wonderful, and so everything that is foreign and not good, like. 
you know, people with disabilities or not to say that people with disabilities are important or not good, but in, in biblical culture, anything that was weird um, was then not of God. And that's where why we get some of the bizarre eating habits and why we get some of the, you know, don't shave your beards and, you know, things like that. That anything that was not the cultural norm uh, wasn't going to jive with God, who is obviously, you know, the, the super awesome norm of all or something. I don't know. That, so, yeah, that, that's basically why that they were sacrificing. Sorry, I, I just felt like that should be interjected in there for the sake no, of... No, that's, that's, that's why Christians think they were sacrificed. Right, right, right. The real reason, obviously, they were sacrificing is that the priests were hungry. <laughs> I mean, that's the real explanation for why you've got to bring these offerings, and oh, by the way, it's food, and oh, please bring salt. <laughs> and spices, frankincense being a spice. I mean, they're saying bring food, bring salt and spices, cook it, and then we'll all eat it together. Yeah. You know, and it, I'm not even convinced that the burnt offerings were burnt all the way up. I mean, sure, that's what they say they were going to do, but who's monitoring right. the priests? You know, who's policing the police? God. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> to me, I mean, yeah, just like those just like those kitty rapers. Like, God really is on their conscience, you can tell. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the point is that this looks to me like it's just a system for exploiting the people by making them believe that... There's only one way to be holy, and that's to go through the priesthood. And oh, by the way, you're really, really, really sinful. All of you, very sinful, very dirty, mm-hmm. dirty, terrible people. And the only way you can get better is come bring stuff to the priests. I mean, it's, it's a transparent ploy. Now the image I have of Aaron is a portly man, kind of like those Franciscan monks in those cartoons. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, or, or on the Belgian Abbey Ale. Yeah. Like in Chaucer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I like that the Christians try to doll this up as this wonderful holy thing, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've, I've got to put. It's an atheist podcast. I've got to put a you know a naturalist spin on where all these rules came from. Thank you. And I would point out that the Bible is not the only book, and uh, not the only broadcast in which the priests get on and say, "You're sinful. Give us money." That's a, it's right. a really common refrain. Yes. Especially when there's guilt involved. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I don't. Daryl Ray in his book talks about how uh, it's the guilt cycle. They they actually induce guilt specifically to get you to come back to them to get atonement in some way, which usually involves a transfer of wealth to them. Yeah, the whole thing's about that. I mean, it starts with the whole you're nasty because of original sin and everything is supposed to follow from that. So, yeah, I mean, it's all about that. And then eventually it's, look what you did. You killed God because of your dirty sinfulness. It's like, God. (laughs) When does it end, you know? Really? I have to be guilty for everything all the time? Yep. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's very powerful stuff. That really works on people. We are very guilt-ridden, super-ego-driven species. And the worse life they have, the uh, the worse they feel, the more guilty they feel. Yeah, and I would point out that Scientology has, has a similar racket going. They they don't say they don't use the word sin. They use like engrams or some wacky bullshit. Mm-hmm. But they say you know you have to come to us to get these bad thoughts out of your head. Yeah, and you know you have to come, you have to give us lots of money and we'll help expunge, we'll help atone you with the right state of mind. And it, I mean, Purify. Well, yeah, pretty much every religious racket has the same basic setup. You're broken. Give us money. We'll fix you. And and maybe psychiatry as well. Yeah. <laughs> cynical. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw the psychiatrist in there too, just for the sake of being even-handedly cynical. Thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the pills actually work, though. The pills. I mean, I got to give the pills some credit. Uh, they do what they're advertised to do a lot, a lot of the time. So maybe I shouldn't be bagging on the psychiatrist. Don't knock it. Okay. Well, so who wants to do eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, blah blah blah? That's in just a load of crap. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the final word on eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It is a, it might have a big load. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, uh, yeah, I, I, that really bothers me because you hear everybody saying God is love. Like that's a really and even when I was a Christian and such, like you know, you you tend to believe that. Like God is love. God is this great force and. and really is in fact love like you can't or love is god like you can't really have god without love and then there's verses in the bible that say shit like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and it's like what how, how does that even that that's not love 
Like, that's not even close to the love that's described in the New Testament. Like, I don't know. It, it, that, that verse really bothers me. <laughs> well, the evidence never supports the fact that he's love. It's just that they make that statement that he is love. And then, from then, you can make your um, analysis of what he does. And so that, that must be coming from his loving heart. And so some way, uh, there's going to be a loving end to, to what he's doing to you. Yeah. And, and things... that's... Sorry. Sorry. I was going to say, that's often the way that it's, uh, that people will argue it. Yeah. That, well, you know, they they really did that to themselves, or they opened themselves up for that, or there, there's a million reasons for... But I still don't understand if this book is supposed to be written or inspired by God, or God is supposed to have passed down these rules, and he actually is love, and eye for an eye is not love by any stretch of the definition. Not even if they had it coming. Like, that's not even... An mm. eye for an eye is, is, is crap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but... I'm, I'm really trying not to be profane here, but... <laughs> hey, it's okay. I, I gotta say, though, that it does make for a very, very simple justice system. That's true. Yeah. So, suppose, you know, you, uh, you get in a fight, and in the course of the fight, you slit the throat of your neighbor's bull and poke his eye out. You know, and say, well, it's, you don't need Solomon to figure this out. You you owe one bull, and uh, tell you, can you please hand us your eyeball? Yeah. You know, and uh, okay, you're even now. I mean, yeah, he that killeth a beast, he shall restore it. I don't actually have a problem with that. Yeah, right, like if, property compensation, that's, uh, yeah. Right, that's, that's reasonable, but... So maybe this is metaphorical? Mm. The eye for eye part, though? Like, I, I think... I was gonna say, I think Damien's on the right track. That that it's it's easier that way in in this time period. That yeah, or it's easier for for uh, conflict for resolving conflicts to just say, okay, you did this. Okay, well then we're gonna do that to you. It's yeah, easy, it but they also want revenge. You know, they they need that mm-hmm. they have a bloodlust. We love be, revenge. It, it also is gonna lead to more murders because I mean, if I poke a dude's eye out and I'm thinking, shit, if I get caught. I'm going to lose an eye. <laughs> and I, I've, already, I've already got to the point where I blinded him, right? I mean, I may as well just slit his throat and bury him someplace relatively anonymous and hope for the best. Uh, I'm not saying that's how I think, but I'm sure that uh, some people think that way. Who's, who carries out these punishments? I'm going to say the priesthood. <laughs> okay, so so we've moved we've moved now from from blood feud that's that's my responsibility to blood feed that's that's mitigated through an authority it, it doesn't exactly say but i mean every everything else is mitigated through the priesthood i mean if you, if you're sick you don't go to a doctor you go to a priest right you know if you're right. sinful you don't you know you go to a priest if i assume that if you're missing an eye you go to a priest time <laughs> <laughs> well right after that you know you get the story of the blasphemer and it says that they Stoned him, so I, you know it's hard to tell who they. It sounds like it's everybody, but it's hard to tell. Wait, where's the story of the blasphemer? In twenty four, right after that, I think somewhere. Wait, oh, I have yeah, a yeah, du- yeah. It was like that that uh, random. Yeah, that that story seemed oddly out of place. Um, yeah, there's like it's like law, law, law. Uh, burst of narrative, law, law. Oh, yeah. Now I'm going to tell you a story. And the son of an Israelite woman, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the children of Israel. And this son of the Israelitish woman and a man of Israel strove together in the camp. And the Israelitish woman's son blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed. And they brought him unto Moses. And his mother's name was Shalomith, the daughter of Debri, of the tribe of Dan. And they put him in ward, that the mind of the Lord might be shewed them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Bring forth him that hath cursed without the camp, and let all that heard him lay their hands upon his head, and let all the congregation stone him. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Whosoever curseth his God shall bear his sin. And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death. And all the congregation shall certainly stone him, as well as the stranger, as he that is born in the land, when he blasphemeth the name of the Lord, shall be put to death. It was a fun little story, though. You know, what do we do? We got this guy who said, Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. <laughs> you know, what are we going to do with him? Well, let's hold on to him for a second, and, and we'll talk to God about it. Oh, God said, kill him. What a surprise, given the laws we've seen so far in this book. Yeah, it says, let all the congregation. Was... 
All the congregation stoned him. What verse is that in? Uh, 14. 14. 24, 14. So why do you think they had to lay okay, their yeah. hands upon him? My little study Bible says that it, they're pushing, it's sort of a ritualistic thing, like where you're pushing the the name, because that's what he's done. He said Voldemort, right? Right. So, <laughs> oh, you, bro, you've done it now. <laughs> so they're 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 using with their hands. They're pushing it back on him. They're pushing it away from them. Nice, nice. Well, that's Very ritualistic. Sort of, that's the sort of superstition that I expect from a people who believed in actual witches and wizards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Again, if you'd like to tell me that God wrote this book, it's podcast at oklahomaatheist.com. <laughs> I'd love to hear your input. You're going to forward me these emails, right? Of course. All right. Okay, so. that's all I got. <laughs> so it's really, oh, what are we in, 24, 25 is what, agricultural practice? Uh, More land, uh, yeah. I, one thing about 25 and verse 23, which I think it's maybe just me being nitpicky, um, but it seemed to me that it had some interesting implications for private property. Like that, the land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. And so, basically, saying that the land belongs to God, and that you you can't. Or from what I got from that was that you're not supposed to sell it to. Is it that you're not supposed to sell it to outsiders or among each other, or am I just reading too deep and we should just skip it? <laughs> no, that's a good question. Aren't some people fighting wars over this question? <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's my point. That is. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I guess no, I could I look up. Right. Uh, hmm. At least we yeah, do get some ambiguous. Po- we do get some positive reinforcement in this chapter. Finally, yeah, and and the festivals are pretty awesome. I mean, you know, they reenact the Exodus and they have all these vacations and Sabbaths yeah. and shit. That's pretty cool. I bet so. you the priest could at any moment take the land if they had a good reason for it and say, "God said, you know, we need to use this." For a oh, new and they tabernacle, right? And and they do. That's my my point. There's this verse in here that says all the that says that all the land belongs to God, and that you're not supposed to sell it among, or that you're not supposed to sell it. It doesn't really say among whom, but uh, that that's totally not practice. Like people obviously fight over the land and, and buy it and sell it, everything else. I don't know. I just thought it was weird. <laughs> One other thing that I, uh, one other diamond in the rough, like I, I pointed out one earlier that I thought, this is great, this is good stuff, uh, it, it's, it's the sort of timeless wisdom that Jefferson would leave in if he was cutting up this book. Um, and at, ch- at the end of chapter 24, almost, uh, you shall have one manner of law as well for the stranger as one of your own country, I am the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll, they're, they're getting, I guess, less uh, racist. I don't know, or maybe it's just that if they have someone in as a bond bondsman or whatever, or as a sojourner, somebody who's in the land but not of the tribe, they're going to treat him as under the same laws. That strikes me as progress. Yeah, relatively. Yeah, right. we, we don't even do that today. So, <laughs> no, no, uh, the, the folks uh, of, of the Oak Pack, uh, the uh, the rabidly anti-Mexican lot, they. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, they hold them to the same rules, though, too. So it's like going to Singapore and spitting on the ground and getting caned. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That that was unpleasant for you. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I missed something. No, that was a long time ago, though. That yeah. that kid that things were different. What back did he then? do? Well, I forgot what he did. I but he like, stole I mean, a bicycle or some shit. I thought it was some really. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought it was some sort of infraction that I I remember thinking, huh? In America, you'd get you know. Slap on the wrist for that. A fine, yeah. Yeah. But they, but they did. They can't. And there was a whole big thing in the media because he was, uh, he was American, right? Yeah, but otherwise we wouldn't have given a shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Silly me. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was an American citizen, and they were holding him to you know their laws, which were he was going to get beaten, and so yeah, I mean they're that that's. That comes up several times too. That they get the benefits of being treated like full citizens, but and the downfalls, yeah, and the downfalls, right? <laughs> but what could the downfalls be? It's not like they have death penalties for everything in this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a minute! Yeah. 
so what what else you, what else you guys got from from Leviticus? Uh, and then I, I need to ask uh, another question after after we finish after we. Sign you up. wonder if if sojourners are like, wait a second, this is the land of the Israelites. I think I'm gonna stick uh, stay away from this place. Yeah, yeah. just keep anything. I think I'm gonna just go hang out with the Philistines over here for a bit, <laughs> yeah, exactly, where I don't have to cut off my foreskin or anything like that. <laughs> Because I'm fond of where it at God, this point. With, where God doesn't send wild beasts to rob you from your children, and you know, <laughs> not a very pleasant thought. We'll go hang out over here. Twenty twenty-seven is a bizarre chapter, by the way. Where they they put like I don't know they're like putting weights or worths on on different age groups, like estimating. I don't know. I didn't really get it. Mm-hmm, I was yeah. I was half asleep when I read it, and I was like, what the crap are they talking about here? <laughs> when they start talking about shekels, I really sort of tune out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really not sure what the point of it is. Yeah, like, I, I, in terms of narrative, this book ends on a really worthless note. Like, <laughs> uh, 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 these are the commandments. Um, uh, Alright, that's it. Peace know. out! Yeah, yep. it's just... I mean, they really should have put that that really bizarre story that came out of nowhere about the Israelitish uh, man who cursed. They should have put <laughs> yeah. that at the end. At least, you know, go out on a narrative note. Go out on something kind of with mm-hmm. a story to it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, when are we getting stories? Okay, I'm so, really hoping for some stories, yeah. Uh, well, you're about to be disappointed because the next book is Numbers. <laughs> no! That's right. For the Oklahoma Atheist Godcast, this is Damien. All right, this is Chaz. And this is Paul. This is Shell. Uh, Wishing you all a blessed week.